Welcome to episode 52. Do you follow extremely fit and good-looking athletes or models online and crave for the day to have a body just like them? And maybe in an attempt to get there, you've tried a heap of different diets and still can't quite achieve it. And maybe you've even destroyed your metabolism in the process. Well, if that's you, then today is your day because I have one of those online fitness and body sculpting personalities on the show today to talk about the truth behind achieving those goals and how going on that journey can affect a woman's health. Alrighty, let's dive into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back here for another interview episode. I hope you've had an awesome week. It is my mission to coach 150 people to create the sustainably healthy life they truly want by the end of 2020. Did you see that? I added the word in sustainably. You know what? It's super hard to nail down in one sentence the, the mission, but I'm getting better at it. I'm adding words. Um, I'm, I'm going to make it work. But I know you understand the idea behind it. I'm going to help 150 people drastically change their lives. And I'm actually going to be doing that a little bit this weekend because I'm headed to New Zealand. I'm doing four speaking gigs in two days with a bunch of amazing speakers that I've become really good friends with and done a bunch of gigs with. And this is going to be talking to business owners. It's sort of like a holistic approach to business. And I'm obviously the health speaker because if you own a business or you don't own a business, guess what? You're a human and you've got a body to look after. So I'm really excited to head over to New Zealand. I've been doing that a lot in the last year, a lot as in going from never being to New Zealand to being there multiple times this year. So it's been a really great year and so thankful for the people over there that provide me the opportunities and I'm really excited to do that again this weekend. So keep up with my social media if you want to stay uh, up to date with what I'm doing in New Zealand. And if you're a New Zealand listener, please contact me because... I can hook you up with the goods. I can get you into the events. <laughs> anyway, we've entered into summer here in Australia and it's starting to really warm up. So I hope all of you are outside getting your vitamin D. Remember, expose as much of your skin to the sun as possible. Running around naked is ideal, but also illegal. So don't do that. <laughs> and for those of you listening from overseas, well, you're probably heading into winter. So remember to be getting in your supplemental vitamin D because... When the sun disappears, you can't get that much from food. There's plenty in food, but nowhere near enough. The sun is the best possible source. So make sure you get your hands on a really high quality supplement. And ideally, that supplement should be pharmaceutical grade because you can guarantee the quality a little better than anything you can buy at a chemist or a supermarket. All right. Now, although these podcast episodes come out each and every week, today I've been in the podcast studio for seven hours with a group of amazing guests. And to wrap up today's run of recording, we have some Someone who has had some really big success with her fitness, body composition, and sculpting journey. She's a registered nurse, midwife, and has also earned the exceptional title of being a WBFF Bikini Pro Athlete. And through documenting her journey online, she has amassed a huge following on Instagram where she passionately shares some really great content as a women's health and fitness enthusiast. With the unique combination of being a health professional and a bikini competitor, she uses the amalgamation of these two very different identities to educate women on how they too can live a healthy and sustainable life. And so
And since here on the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast, we are all about healthy and sustainable, I thought getting her into the studio would be perfect. So a huge warm welcome to Sherelle Grant. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. What an intro. I hope I live up to that. <laughs> you will definitely live up to that. I'm stoked that you're here. It's been a big day of podcasting for me. Um, now, you're, you're a nurse, so you're obviously passionate about helping people. Mm. But first, I want to hear about helping yourself. So, where did your own journey of health begin to where you are now? Because you obviously have achieved an exceptional standard of health and fitness for yourself. But can you run us through that journey? Yeah, sure. So, I guess like growing up, I've always been what you would probably call athletic. I've always played sport and tried to stay um, active and and what I deemed was healthy. Um, going to uni and sort of I fell into nursing, I guess. It wasn't something I was overly driven towards, but it's I'm definitely glad. I went down that path because it is now. Um, And then getting into my nursing career, I guess, working um, with general population and just realizing how unhealthy we were and just so many of the common problems, I guess, the chronic illness that just general society faces on just from their lifestyle. And it wasn't, it was probably like sort of my second year out of nursing, um, working in a surgical ward. Um, we specialized a lot in sort of weight loss surgeries and, and um, those sorts of things. Gastric and banding. Yeah, and gastric bands, yeah. gastric sleeves, room wipe passes, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And um, I just sort of said to myself, I never want to be in a situation like this, not even from, I guess, a weight standpoint, but just a health standpoint. Um, And I guess that from there, it sort of snowballed into where I am now. I just became more passionate about looking at things on more of a wellness perspective, like a holistic model of health. And, you know, instead of dishing out the 500 tablets, like I just sort of realized I never want to be in that situation myself. And I think subconsciously that's what rolled me into fitness. And I really have just found such a passion in training and health and nutrition and sort of just combining everything together. And in saying that as well, being like a health professional, I I sort of witnessed how poor um, my own colleagues' health is and how poor the lifestyle of a health professional can be with shift work and night duty and all those things that really do take away years on our life. Yeah, I think a lot of health professionals sacrifice themselves for the benefit of their patient. Mm, 100%. And I guess the sort of person who does become a nurse, a midwife, a doctor, they are the people that want to give back. And at the expense, it's often of their own health. Yeah, I think it's um, a, a kind of a leadership model that's been built into society that's really not one of good example. And it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And like a lot of us have heard that from our parents. And yeah. I think in every, on every level, business, hospital, family, that logic is is not ideal. Mm, mm. I want to dive into some of the stuff you share on Instagram because I actually had a conversation just recently on episode 42 with um, Danae Vincent and she runs um, South Yarra Strength. She's a strength and conditioning coach and she's just gone into her first body composition, I guess, experience. It's her first time. She was looking for a new focus. But one thing she talked about was the fact, and I totally agree, is that you as a body composition person on Instagram, you're just super honest with the way that you've got to live. Um, and we were talking about uh, Instagram Instagram versus reality and the different things that fitness professionals sort of put out there that isn't quite accurate. So I would love to have a chat with you today about just some honest realities about the fitness industry, in particular for women and, mm. and fat loss journeys and muscle growth journeys, particularly in the context of women. Is that is that cool with you? Yeah, 100%. Maybe a good place to start is like, what's a normal body fat percentage for a woman? Well, 
define normal, right? Like, I mean, someone who's athletic can be anywhere from sort of 20 to 25% for a female. But in terms of healthy, it can be very different from woman to woman. Some people, as soon as they cut their calories, they will lose their period. For others, they can be quite lean and still have um, a normal reproductive cycle. So for the average person, anything above sort of that 23 onwards percent would still deem them as looking sort of fit. Um, It's sort of once you start getting beyond that sort of 25 and onwards that then you're essentially carrying a bit more body weight than you should. Yeah, right. And at what point, and I say this assuming that the baseline is somebody that's got all their nutrients correct, but at what point in the journey of reducing your body fat and sort of maybe even entering a bulking phase, is there going to be some hormonal disrupt disruption in the system? Mm, yeah, 100%. And like I said, it's, it's so unique from person to person when it comes to hormones because um, when you're dieting, your body doesn't know whether you are, you know, in famine, in starvation and there's no food or whether you want to look good for summer. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't know the difference. So I know a lot of um, my own friends that are competitors that do lose their period regardless of, you know, what stage of prep they're at or where they are in their sort of competing journey. Um, for some, it takes years to get back. For others, it's they don't lose it at all. And I, a lot of my friends have their period on show day. Like, so some are just more resilient than others. Um, and it's, it's tough because it's it really is person by person and it's not even just competitors like everyday women like everyone is just so different with their hormonal profile and it's it's that's why it's really important to work one-on-one with a health professional if you're experiencing any issues because you can't sort of put just a blanket term over it or even put numbers or percentages on it because it is so individualized between you know your lifestyle your lean body mass any contraception that you're on perhaps nutrient deficiencies and your current lifestyle. Yeah, all those things definitely play a factor, plus Mm. stress, sleep. Exactly. Stress is stress and it doesn't matter what form it's coming in from, it's still going to have that impact on the body. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I was catching up with Danny Kennedy last, who we just spoke about, whose podcast hit a million views, uh, listens, so that's awesome, Danny. But I remember him talking about the fact that um, on the podcast him and I did was that he went over to LA to do a comp and just because he was in LA and didn't have the stress of his job and was able to sleep like nine to ten hours a night, the the final part of his comp prep was just super easy and he stacked on a bunch of muscle that he just didn't even plan for, just upping the sleep. Yeah, Yeah, it's so interesting and and um, I have a friend myself who's been struggling with um, getting her period back after a really long time and she's been seeking out like Chinese medicine and just lots of different strategies and it had been almost a year I think and she went out the other weekend and got lit (laughs) (laughs) and woke up the next morning and... God forbid had her period and she thought, right. wow, like if, you know, just take the heel, put the heels on and let loose. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing what, you know, something like just letting your hair down or, you know, having an extra long sleep will do to the body. Oh, it's it's so beneficial. And as we kind of briefly touched on beforehand, your, your average doctor or whatever doesn't really address <laughs> those factors. No, and yeah, women's health is something that's still severely misunderstood by, yes, the general population, but even health professionals, like a lot of general practitioners, you know, misdiagnose and, and sort of send women down the wrong direction for a lot of things when it comes to women's health. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, 
I've got a question about, I guess, so I guess we've gone with women's health and fitness, fitness particularly, from sort of the 90s, 80s, 90s culture of just trying to be as skinny as possible. Yes. And now we're just kind of entering <laughs> into this phase of like women wanting to bulk and potentially, yeah. dare I say it, you know, get a more manly physique, a mm. masculine physique. What do you think is in the in that journey going from, I guess, conventional woman to new age woman, let's mm. say, what do you think in that journey is really important for women to be aware of? Because they're mm. obviously going to be really manipulating their natural state, like the natural fundamental state for that individual woman. But making that progress, what should they be aware of? I sort of, I think that back down to like the like in strong, not skinny sort of movement. And I just think, I think women just sort of had enough of trying to fit in this sort of box and, and, you know, be the perfect cover model magazine and fit into every pair of pants and, you know, and, and I don't think that was healthy or correct or structurally like appropriate for what we actually are. Like women are supposed to be curvy and we're supposed to, you know, have lumps and bumps and body fat and, and, and back in the 80s and 90s, like my my parents' era, I guess it wasn't accepted and, and they suffered and that's the low-fat culture, the carbs being bad, like severe body dysmorphia. Um, and I think we're moving into a better place, a much better place in that, you know, it is accepted for women to be in the gym strength training and like, you know, everyone wants a booty now. And <laughs> I'm, I, all, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I often joke to my partner that, you know, I had the booty before it was cool. Like <laughs> I remember being in school and just being like, you know, I just want my skinny jeans to fit me. And, right. you know, I do not own a pair of jeans now, but that's the way it was. You know, box gaps were cool. Like, yeah, I remember that phase. Yeah. yeah. And now it's literally like, who's got the biggest glutes and you know looking in evolution that's that's what a woman should be like as in if you look at a woman who does have a well-shaped physique that means that she can hold a pregnancy she she looks attractive um but in terms of what a woman should I guess understand about that is is building muscle and creating shape takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of consistency. And what you do see on social media a lot of the time is unrealistic expectations of perhaps a lot of muscle mass and very low body fat percentage. Um, and then, yeah, so I think being aware that a lot of what you do see on social media isn't what you see in real life. And I often get when people even meet me, like I don't have a huge amount of muscle mass, but a, the one of the main comments that I get is, oh, you're, wow, you're a lot smaller in real life. I get that a lot. And it's like, well, <laughs> I definitely thought you were a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah. Well, shorter. That one I can't lie about. But, <laughs> you know, on Instagram, you are confined to this little square. So, you know, you can fill that whole box up. People don't really know how big you are. So, you know, even though, you know, you get the odd comment of like too muscular, it's like I'm actually quite petite in real life. So I think that just goes to show how disordered the pictures can be when you do look at social media. And I think as well, people project their own belief systems and their own insecurities onto their, you know, that image of you. You're not there to actually express your own opinions or, mm. or personality. So when they make those comments, I think it's, you know, like all negativity in the world, it's a projection of their own insecurities. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. And like it's social media is a fantastic thing. Like it does get a lot of bad rep, but I think it's, it's a, it's a, 
awesome place just to be able to showcase who you want. And I think it's when people misuse it that that's when, you know, it can be sort of detrimental to people. But for me, like when I was growing up, you know, I just, I, I had quite a lot of muscle mass for someone my size. And I just, I looked around and I felt like I didn't fit in. And on social media, when I first started, I was able to like fill my newsfeed with like positivity and other people who like training like me. And, and I think that's really powerful. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, I totally agree. With social media, like what are the most common questions you get from your followers like mm. that are curious about the journey you've gone on or maybe they want to go on the journey themselves? What, what do they ask you? I think one of the most frustrating, like it, it's it's frustrating when you do go through your DMs and your requests and stuff and you read constantly, how do I get glutes like yours? How do I get lose body fat? How do I tone up? How do I? And it's all this objective pinpoint how-to sort of stuff. And like, I think the main thing to know is it's consistent effort over a long period of time with proper training and good nutrition. And there is no shortcuts. There is is no how-to books on to grow a set of glutes. It's just do the basics, do them properly and do them well for a long period of time. And and that's it. That's it. I just want (laughs) to shake that into a lot of girls that there is no secret booty band program out there that will do it for you. It's like those posts or, or questions rather that you get like, how can I lose fat from this one area of my body? Yes, like- yes, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And that's the other thing. Like you can't spot reduce. You can build and sculpt your physique, you know, by weight training, but you can't fat reduce. And, you know, I, I still remember going to a gym class um, when I was younger called tummy, hips and thighs, thinking that it would just shave body fat off right. my tummy, hips and thighs. But but, you know, it's smart marketing and that's that's how it works. The other thing is obviously about nutrition is, you know, what do you think of keto? Is vegan the right option for me? You know, should I cut out red meat? What about low fat? You know, just really objective things. And I like I follow a flexible dieting approach. And I always say to you, you know, the best diet is the one that you can adhere to, that you enjoy doing, and that you, you know, you'd be happy to doing it for the rest of your life. 
Hey, I just thought I'd drop in here to share a little something with you. I hope you're enjoying the episode and we'll get back to it in just a quick second. But I get a lot of questions about intermittent fasting on my Instagram, on LinkedIn, via email and in response to this podcast. And so what I've decided to do is put together a little free ebook, which is with the graphic designer right now. And in the next week or so, it's going to be available for release. And I'm going to put it in the show notes of all of the upcoming episodes moving forward because I get so many questions and I really truly believe that it is the most sustainable way forward to manage the food intake in your body because deprivation leads to binge and intermittent fasting is not about deprivation or restriction, right? It's about training your body to behave in a different way. I'm really passionate about it. You've probably listened to a bunch of different episodes of this podcast where I'm talking about intermittent fasting and that's the exact reason I thought it would be a great idea to put together this free ebook for you. So keep your eyes peeled because in the next week or or two, that ebook will be available. I'll keep you in the loop, of course, via this podcast and my social media platforms. So be ready for when that drops. Anyway, let's continue on with this awesome episode with Sherelle. You know, the best diet is the one that you can adhere to, that you enjoy doing and that you, you know, you'd be happy to doing it for the rest of your life. Because if you want to get results in six weeks, sure, you can, you know, shave calories off and just starve and lose the weight. But what about six years? Like, do you still want to maintain your results? Yeah, I think sustainability is the, especially in the context. So, interestingly, for the listeners, we pretty much work in the same building and have for years and have never run into each other. (laughs) It's a big building. (laughs) It is a very, it is a very big building. So we both work in a hospital, but I think interestingly, it's. It's like in the hospital setting, the, the, it's about why. Mm. Like people don't apply the idea of, well, yeah, I want to lose weight or yeah, I want to get rid of this disease or whatever. But it, the how-to, as you just said, is is like the answer is relevant to you and there's lots of different answers out there, but why? Like, mm. And to be sustainable, you need to have the why right because mm. if it's not, if it's vanity metrics, which is I want my Instagram to look great, guess what? You're going to fall off that diet bandwagon in six weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. And it's always, you know, what about the transformation after the transformation? transformation, you know, and I look at a lot of these generic challenges, these eight-week summer shreds, and it's, you know, you see these before and after, and it's like, but what about the after-after? Do you still look like that? No. And nine times out of ten, they're exactly back to where they are, if not worse. And I think that's what a lot of these big generic gyms that just, you know, strive off train harder, not smarter, that's where all the marketing is. So, you know, you've got to be careful to not get um, pulled in into that sort of way of thinking and you've got to look at it look at it with a sustainability approach. I have this um reminds me I have this slide that I use in a lot of my talks which has before fad diet and it's overweight person has during fad diet and it's a skinny person and it says after fad diet and it's like a person three times the size of the first one yeah. like and it's just that that cycle and I yep. think it's that be, yep. all because of vanity metrics yep. I want to look good I want a skinny stomach I want to look like Sherelle mm. whatever it might be but it's yep. like hang on look into your soul why is this important to you yeah like, yeah exactly and I call them chronic dieters like yep. they're just they're always dieting they're always doing the next hot trendy fad diet and what they don't realize like if they just pulled back and tried to change one small thing like they'll be in a better place in six years time because they would have it's what we do consistently day by day that does impact our body composition and tapping into sort of your experience as a nurse in your area what that diet that yo-yo dieting or chronic diet is as you say what kind of impact does that have on the hormonal cycle or pre-childbearing 
body for a woman. Mm, yeah, well, it's interesting. Like for women, there's there's two sort of camps. There's the low fat camp, and then there's the low carb camp. Or unfortunately, sometimes they just combine them together and eat oh, nothing. God. But the, <laughs> on, the only protein camp. <laughs> yeah, the, the mo- exactly just protein. But, Shit, oh, but yeah. apparently that makes you bulky, doesn't it? Yeah, apparently. I don't know. Just the nothing. But <laughs> sometimes you get girls um, come to you and they are like eating. 800 calories, which, you know, is a quarter of what I would eat in a day. And I just, they've down-regulated their metabolism so much that that is actually what they're they're functioning off. Um, sometimes they're not accurate with tracking. That's a big flaw that a lot of people do if they can't lose body fat, but they are still quite overweight. They may or may not be tracking properly, but if they are actually eating really low calories, um, low fat in particular is detrimental to um, production of our hormones um, and obviously pregnancy because you know, if you're struggling to get pregnant and you're eating a really low calorie, low fat diet, your body is going to always choose survival over reproduction. Yeah, absolutely. It makes mm. total sense. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, you've got two lives to support and if you can't support your own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's for women as well. I mean, like when you would understand working in a hospital, there's, there's real battles as well. Like, you know, there's, there's bigger problems in the world and in healthcare than diets. There's huger problems. But I think that coming into a pregnancy, you still, or even when you start conceiving, or even just for women's health, you need to be aware that, yes, I need to eat fats for reproductive purposes. I need to take stress as stress and, you know, do all the positive things like meditate and stuff, not just for my mental health, but my physical health. Do all those sort of one percenters. Yeah, absolutely. I think it all comes back to, again, we've all been raised by parents that followed that model yes. of um, chronic you know, dieting. Yeah, and- chronic dieting and do as I say, not as I do, which mm-hmm. doesn't instill, well, hang on, why Why are you doing it? I look up to you and you're not doing that kind of thing. And therefore, we grow up believing that we're not worthy of good food, good sustenance. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I was thinking about that exact thought the other day is like, my mum has always been sort of a bit of a yo-yo dieter. And yeah. I sort of grew up in that environment always thinking that dieting was what you did. You just dieted. Um, And it sort of wasn't until I went away to uni and sort of, I don't know, like it's a bit of a party animal. We all were. Yeah, then I I guess I established my own beliefs and um, took the time out to educate myself. And, you know, once I got into training more for performance and lifting weights, I sort of started to appreciate calories for what they were, which was energy and fuel. And then, you know, for a lot of girls, it's amazing what you can achieve when you start fueling your body properly because for the majority of us, we don't. Absolutely. And interesting that you say that fueling our body properly because there's so many women which it's kind of counterintuitive for. And I've had clients like this too. They're trying to lose weight and they're calorie reducing as because that's logically in their yeah. head what makes sense. And it's like, okay, what we're going to do, we're going to up your calories by 500 yeah. to 1,000 calories because you're ruining your metabolism right now. And mm. just that, that idea in their head of like, I've yeah. got to put my calories up to lose weight. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But what I say to girls when they come to me is 
working on increasing your metabolism is like paying dividends in yourself. You need to pay it forward now and invest in your your metabolism so that in the future you can reap the rewards. So if you do want to start dieting, you can shave 500 calories off and drop body fat because if you shave 500 calories off now, you have one piece of toast for the day and that's all your calories are going to permit because our maintenance calories is a moving thing. It's, it's not just fixed for the rest of our life because that would be really easy. Yeah, that would be was. so easy. It's not. And we'd, we'd all have the it. perfect body. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Science. You know, calories in and calories out is a very pe- pessimistic way to look at things. Um, and yes, it's you know, it still is applicable because it's science, but I think people get the calories out wrong a lot of the times. And like things like our daily energy energy expenditure, like steps and, you know, our attention span and all those sorts of things and whether you fidget, that is burning calories and those things subconsciously slow down when we are dieting. So it's all these sorts of things that you don't even think about that really do have big impact. What would you say are the top two things that people forget about when it's when they're tracking their calories? Like that they don't factor in. Uh, licks, sucks, and bites. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know when you're mixing up your partner's meal and you just have a spoonful. Or I think for me um, that was a big one. Is like when I started um, obviously getting into physique competitions. I was like how many calories are in peanut butter? Like, (laughs) what do you mean? I can't lick the knife. That's 100 calories? Like, so I think those sorts of things um, because – you know, we are human and subconsciously we we sort of, you know, co- tracking your intake is a very conscious thing. You have to be very conscious and controlled and it's the things that you do unconsciously because everything that we do in life is almost a habit. So, you know, it's, it's definitely those licks, sucks and bites that you don't track that add up or accumulate over the course of a week to be quite a lot and they can be what pulls you in or out of a calorie deficit. The other thing for women in particular would probably be um, the training harder, not smarter thing that sort of evolved over the last few years, especially in women's physique, I believe, because that's the way men train. So you just smash your body. Just, you know, more, more, five more reps, train harder, train fatigue. And, you know, we're not little men with breasts. We have different <laughs> hormonal profiles and stress is stress. And I know for myself, because I have a stressful job and I work shift work, I can't tolerate some of the volumes that some of these fitness models that just it's their full-time gig. And I think people need to understand their own biochemistry and have a PhD in yourself and know where you can sit on the porch without, you know, breaking yourself because every second girl in the gym has lower back pain or some sort of issue that is probably from, you know, overstressing a part of their body. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because we're often comparing ourselves to these people online that they, they work as this. They're like a personal mm, trainer. They're or they're paid or they're, to look good. Yeah, or they're an elite athlete and they're able to be in the gym or on the right diet or whatever, have the dietitians, have the resources, have the amount of time to go to sleep, have their meals prepped. And we're trying to be like, why can't I be like them yeah. when we've got like 10 hours of another <laughs> job in yep, our day? Yep, like, exactly. Yeah, it's so, it's so frustrating. But, you know, and I accepted upon myself when I came into this sport that you know, it would be hard with shift work. I sort of like the challenge, but I almost, um, you know, when I've been in the gym all morning and then I'm prepping my meals and then I'm going in for a late shift and you're like, now my day's just starting. Yeah. And it's, you know, it can be challenging, um, but it doesn't have to be. Like for the everyday person, I just think, you know, it should be a part of your life. 
Yeah, we totally agree. And I know you touched on shift work and we might have to do another episode on that because you share some really great stuff on shift work and your lifestyle on your page. But where can everybody find you online? Um, so I'm most active on Instagram. So you can literally just look up my name, which is at Sherelle Grant. There's only one of me. Thank <laughs> That's goodness. great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and give me a follow there. That's where I'm most active. I'm pretty active on my stories every day. Yeah, awesome. And for all the listeners, if you got something out of this episode or learnt anything, take a screenshot, share it as your Instagram story or whichever social media platform you're on. Tag myself and Sherelle. Our handles and information will be in the show notes below. And before we wrap up, Sherelle, I ask this question of every every guest. What is one piece of health information you wish more people knew about? Um, I wish more women knew how amazing strength training is. And I think everyone should have a performance goal in the gym. Love it. And to find that information, follow Sherelle because she shares all of that great content. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Matt. No worries. I'm grateful for your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.